Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Long Live Hollywood Podcast. My name is Aaron. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for choosing to listen to this podcast. God bless you. Welcome. On this episode, I'm going to give you guys and girls my review of Obi-Wan Kenobi, the entire series, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then after that, we're going to talk about the sequel series to Game of Thrones. A Jon Snow solo series. Interesting. And then, I have my review of Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe. That's the show. That is the agenda. Episode 41 starts right now. So, Obi-Wan Kenobi, the entire series. For the most part, this show was pretty good. Episode 1 and 2 was pretty solid episode three three and four were a little questionable five and six i thought was pretty good so it kind of went up and down up and down this show definitely has some pacing issues which i kind of had a feeling i had a feeling it was going to have some pacing issues especially when i understood the synopsis and that's when i asked myself is six episodes long enough And if you ask me, six episodes was not long enough. If you're going to give me only six episodes, make some episodes longer than others. The performances from, uh, what's his name? I can never pronounce his name. Is it Ewan McGregor? Is it Ewan or Ewan? The guy who plays Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, that guy and Vivian Lyra Blair, the little girl who plays Leia. Best performances in the show. Top two easily. And I knew early on that Vivian was going to be someone to watch, just like the grown-up Leia, Baby Leia, (laughs) if you will. Uh, Baby Leia, she has that same sense of awareness, that same sense of, uh, you know, that's that awareness. She's she has a high sense of awareness. You can't fool her. She understands her environment. She understands what's going on, and she's not afraid to ask someone. Uh, those kind of honest, uncomfortable questions to get a straight answer. You know, baby Leia really reminds me of myself. She really does. I'm the same way. I don't have any kids whatsoever, but if I was to ever have a daughter, I hope she turns out like baby Leia. So Vivian Blair was excellent as Baby Leia. Ewan McGregor is excellent as Obi-Wan Kenobi. He hasn't played Obi-Wan Kenobi in a while. Uh, Actually, since what? Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, which came out back in May of 2005. That's almost 20 years. Uh, He hasn't missed a beat. He's still really good as Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then we get to a character named Reva Savander. Now listen, I love the concept of Reva Savander. I thought this character was fascinating. I thought this character uh, was really cool. And I feel like a character like Reva Savander really fits into the world of Star Wars easily. But all those positive things being said, though, I was not a big fan of the actress. Love the character. Uh, The casting was a little bit off here, I felt. I can see a character like Reva Savander going to an actress like uh, 
Uh, Florence Kasamba, she plays Ayo in Black Panther. And I know Florence is much older than Moses Ingram. Florence is 45 and Moses is 28. Uh, Reva Savander is a younger character, period. You can't have a 45-year-old playing uh, uh, Reva Savander. You know, you, you can't have Reva Savander and Darth Vader the same age. It would not make sense. And speaking of villains, I wasn't too crazy about them in the show. Again, I like the concept of these villains, but I feel that they lack performance from the actors that play them. I mean, of course, outside of Darth Vader, Darth Vader is always going to be played right. You can't really screw up uh, the performance of Darth Vader. It's sort of impossible, right? I mean, how do you screw up Darth Vader? I mean, you're always going to get a good performance from Darth Vader. Vader was very aggressive here. I've never seen Vader so strong and powerful. He is a younger guy in this show, so I'm guessing he is in his Jedi prime. And I'm also guessing Jedis get weaker as they age. That would make sense because Vader is a lot a lot more weaker in the later movies. You know, your uh, New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. He's nowhere near strong in the late in the later movies and i also noticed that vader was a lot more menacing much more scarier here versus the later movies the later movies he was evil but he was a lot more i guess you can say chill here in the obi-wan show uh he he was kind of scary and uh he he had a real chip on his shoulder Bring Obi-Wan to me. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you guys a question. Who do you think will win in a Jedi fight? Return of the Jedi Luke Skywalker or uh, Vader from Obi-Wan Kenobi? Totally different Vader. Return of the Jedi Luke or Obi-Wan Vader? I don't know, guys. My money is on Vader. The only reason why Luke Skywalker beat Vader in Return of the Jedi was because Vader was past his prime. If Luke was fighting, uh, uh, ooh, God forbid if Luke was facing Revenge of the Sith Anakin. <laughs> oh, man, Luke would have died so fast. So the dialogue in the show is pretty good. I love the conversations between Baby Leia and Obi-Wan Kenobi. I, I love their conversations. I love their interactions. Leia has some really good dialogue. Really good dialogue. The action here is, even though it is cool to look at, I would not call it epic. I would say it's pretty straightforward there are some cool things that happen here and there but for the most part it's straightforward i was much more uh, hung up on the story which is kind of uh odd to say because when it comes to star wars the action is a big part of its identity in this show the action is just well maybe the action is not straightforward what am i trying to say here uh the action is fine. I'm, I'm thinking about the later movies. Your Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi's action 
is it's good it kind of feels like a step down to what i'm used to seeing if that makes any sense it's still good don't get me wrong and to be fair obi-wan kenobi is a limited series so it's not really surprising for it to be a step down when it comes to the action quality So like I said earlier on, episodes 1 and 2 were pretty solid. Episodes 3 and 4 were kind of questionable. And episodes 5 and 6 was pretty good. Do I think episode 6 stuck the landing? Because, you know, the show kind of went up and down in terms of story quality. Did episode 6 stick the landing? Uh, it's kind of like this. You ever watched gymnastics? You ever seen, uh, the gymnasts? They'll, you know, when they're doing their flips, they'll, they'll jump up and do that tornado corkscrew kind of flip. Very epic. And then they'll land on their feet and their legs are kind of spaghetti for a while until they find their balance. It's that kind of landing. Definitely not a gold medal landing. You might have to settle for the bronze, uh, if the judges are nice, you might get bumped up to a silver medal. You definitely won't win the Olympics. You get what I'm trying to say, folks? Does that make any sense? Definitely not the cleanest landing. Uh, do I think this show is rewatchable? It's rewatchable only if season two is confirmed. That's when I'll probably go through season one again. I don't see myself casually going through season one again i'm not saying it's a bad show i just don't really see myself re-watching the show anytime soon but a pretty good show obi-wan kenobi is a pretty good show and that's why i'm giving obi-wan kenobi a b minus it looks like we're going to get a game of thrones spinoff series starring kit harrington as Jon snow let's talk about it Now, this sounds pretty cool. Kit Harrington coming back for Jon Snow, a sequel series. It sounds cool, but is it necessary? I don't think so. This kind of reminds me of the announcement of Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Them. It was cool to see the world of Harry Potter again, and the movie was pretty good, but I felt the story was unnecessary. Well, maybe not unnecessary, but it was a Harry Potter movie that I did not want to see at that particular time. Harry Potter Deathly Hallows Part 1 and Part 2 came out in 2010 and 2011. And after Part 2, a couple of years later, we started to slowly hear news about a new Harry Potter prequel. At the time, Fantastic Beasts did not even have a synopsis. I had no idea what the story was going to be about. It was all wishful thinking. If they're going to do a prequel series or a prequel movie, whatever, it has to be about James Potter and Lily Potter. Because that's the movie that I wanted to see. And then Fantastic Beasts got announced officially. The synopsis got announced officially. And obviously, it's not about James Potter and Lily Potter. It's about someone else entirely. Part of me was excited to see this movie. I am a big fan of Harry Potter. And the other part of me kind of didn't care. 
Where's my James Potter and Lily Potter movie? Come on now. That's the real movie I want to see. And that's how I feel about this sequel series starring Kit Harington. Part of me is very excited. I do love me some Game of Thrones. And the other part of me, I kind of don't care. If they want to do a Game of Thrones sequel series, Arya Stark, come on. Maisie Williams, Arya Stark. She needs her series. And I'm not saying a Jon Snow Game of Thrones series is a bad idea. Just not right now. Give me a Maisie Williams, Arya Stark series right now. And then later down the line, we'll talk about Kit Harington. I should have got my James Potter movie. At that time. Down the line, we'll talk about Fantastic Beast. Yeah, down the line. Give me what I want right now. I got a question for you guys. Let me throw you this one. Do you think this series will undo anything that happened in season eight of Game of Thrones? What do you think? Do you think uh, Bran the Broken will be killed off and the throne will go to Jon Snow, for example? Did you guys think some of the original characters will make a return? Who's still alive in Game of Thrones? Let's see. Uh, Tyrion Lannister is still alive. Arya Stark is still alive. Uh, Sansa is alive. Jon Snow. Bran Stark is alive. Samuel Tarly is alive. Rob Stark is dead. Daenerys is gone. Uh, Brienne of Tarth. She's still alive, right? The tall blonde lady. She's alive. Will these characters or some of these characters make an appearance on this show? I think it's a 50% chance. When I think about this show, it kind of sounds like a limited series, a Jon Snow series. I, I, I highly doubt it if this show would run for five, six, seven seasons. It sounds like it'll go maybe two, maybe three at best. Or maybe one season, 10 episodes. Some episodes could be longer than others. And assuming that this series is going to be a little bit shorter, you don't necessarily need to see every character in each episode all the time. You might see Sansa Stark in episode maybe three, maybe four. You could see uh, Samuel Tarly here and there. You might see Brianna Tarth here and there. But that's just it. These characters will be making an appearance. They won't have um they won't have story arcs. Which means these actors don't have to be so committed to this show the same way that they were committed to the original Game of Thrones show. Game of Thrones that's an 8 season show. It ran for 10 years. A lot of those actors literally grew up on that show. That's a lot of screen time. And I think if somebody like Sophie Turner was asked to come back and play Sansa, I think she'll do it. I think she'll be happy to because she doesn't have to commit to this show nearly as much as she committed to the original Game of Thrones show. 
Sansa had hours and hours of screen time. She's not going to have that kind of screen time in the uh, Jon Snow show. And plus, she can do both. You know, she can do the Jon Snow uh, television show, a couple of episodes here and there, a couple of appearances. And she can also uh, be in other movies at the same time. And that goes for the rest of the actors, too. These actors don't have to be so committed to this show. And that's why I think it's a 50% chance that these characters will return in the Jon Snow show. Depending on the synopsis, depending on the story, the return of these characters have to make sense story-wise. Don't give me some fan service crap. If you're going to give me Tyrion Lannister, just because he doesn't necessarily need a story arc, he needs to be on the show for a reason. So the Game of Thrones sequel series with Jon Snow, once again, I'm I'm half excited I do think it's a bit unnecessary because this is a Game of Thrones show that I don't want to see right now. Give me an Arya Stark series right now. And then later on down the line, then we can talk about Jon Snow. I I think uh, the timing of this show is, you know, just not right now. Give me Arya Stark. It's review time. It's time for my review. The boys are back. They first aired on MTV back in 1993. They've been sort of on the air and off the air. I remember they came back in 2000 and 2009, I believe, for a hot second. Remember that? And then they got canceled after two seasons. But they are officially back now. Paramount Plus exclusive. My review of Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe starts right now. Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe. Big fan of Beavis and Butthead. Beavis and Butthead first aired back in 1993. And uh, their movie, Do America, came out in 1996, March of 1996. Big fan of Beavis and Butthead. Grew up on those guys. And now Beavis and Butthead are back with this Paramount Plus exclusive movie. The question is, are these guys, are these boys still funny in 2022? Can you still laugh at Beavis and Butthead? Is this a funny movie? Let me put it to you guys like this. If you are not a big fan of Beavis and Butthead, or maybe you've never heard of Beavis and Butthead, and this is your first time seeing Beavis and Butthead anywhere, ever, I can guarantee you this movie will not be your jam. Well, you may not appreciate it as much as hardcore fans. Let me say that. That sounds a little bit better. And coming from a hardcore fan such as myself, uh, this movie was just, it was okay. (laughs) Just okay. I do think Beavis and Butthead Do America is the better movie. I'm not saying it's better because it's funnier. It's better simply because it's a better movie. This movie is still pretty fun, still pretty fun, no matter if you're a hardcore fan of Beavis and Butthead or a not-so-hardcore fan of Beavis and Butthead. At the end of the day, it's a pretty fun movie. Is the movie funny? You know, Beavis and Butthead, they can be funny. But Beavis and Butthead, when it comes to their jokes, they're not that creative. 
they say a lot of the same stuff. You know, you're, uh, uh, <laughs> you said would, <laughs> you said, but, you know, jokes like that, they only work so many times. And keep in mind, I'm a big fan of Beavis and Butthead, but the older that I get, the harder it is for me to laugh at these guys. Their jokes are not that creative. I've heard these jokes billions and billions of, of times. Sometimes they're funny, sometimes, but most of the times it, it's it's not funny. These guys need new material, brand new jokes. Now, this is just me. My own opinion. If you guys are a big fan of Beavis and Butthead, I think you you might laugh. You could do some laughing, <laughs> you know. Uh, I'm not saying this is a completely unfunny movie. I did chuckle every now and then, but not as much as I thought I was going to chuckle. Maybe it's just this movie. Maybe I'm not a big fan of the movie. Maybe if Beavis and Butthead were to come back on MTV, I could have a different opinion. One of my favorite things about the about the show is when Beavis and Butthead are, are watching MTV and they're making fun of, of uh, musicians, you know, rock bands and all that. That can get really funny. So the synopsis is like this. Beavis and Butthead attend space camp. Uh, while they're there, they start to play with this space shuttle docking station contraption. Um, they are using it correctly. Keep that in mind, people. But but because they do have dirty minds, you know, Beavis and Butthead, it comes off very explicit. You know, what they're doing looks like sex to them. <laughs> it's really something else. It's it's the right way to use the contraption, but it comes off as sex to them. Using this kind of contraption takes skill. And Beavis and Butthead can do it without fail. They're naturally gifted like that. And so Beavis and Butthead's instructor, who is a female, notices what Beavis and Butthead can do. And she has an idea. Hey, how would you boys like to do that in space? And once again, because Beavis and Butthead have dirty minds, they think their instructor wants to have sex in space. <laughs> That's the synopsis. They are on a quest to have sex with their instructor. They're trying to score. There's a lot going on in this movie. I'm talking time travel. I'm talking the multiverse. Yes, the multiverse, like in the MCU, there are many different versions of Beavis and Butthead, which is kind of shocking and cool at the same time. Um, There is some backstory here. Interesting backstory. And, and of course, it's a spoiler. Interesting backstory. So bottom line, if you're a big fan of Beavis and Butthead, then this movie is for you. I want to say it's a love letter to fans. It has the humor. It has the jokes. It has pretty much everything that that you're looking for in a Beavis and Butthead movie. It's in here. No doubt. 
And even though I did not find this movie funny, I did have some fun with this movie. I do think Beavis and Butthead Do America is the better movie. It is certainly more uh, rewatchable, I would say, than Do the Universe. I don't see myself rewatching Do the Universe anytime soon. And keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, I'm a big fan of Beavis and Butthead. But that being said, these characters need some new material. They need new jokes. Come on. If that means hiring more writers, then do it. If Mike Judge, the creator of Beavis and Butthead, is planning to get Beavis and Butthead back on television, hire some some really creative writers. I really think Beavis and Butthead needs a little bit of a makeover. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. I'm giving Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe a C. A straight C. Letter grade C. And that's the end of the episode. Episode 41 done. Now I have to get some food. I'm hungry. Uh, Speaking of food, I went to Subway Restaurant for a six-inch turkey sub. Why was that six-inch turkey sub? $5.89. Talk about inflation. How much is a foot long? Ten bucks? Eleven? That's insane. Almost six bucks. And another thing, did you know that Subway discontinued cucumbers? Did you know that? Asked the girl why, and she said, because no one ever buys them. What? Am I the only guy that eats cucumbers? Ladies and gentlemen, do you guys not eat cucumbers? You know, I I could understand if it was black olives. Black olives are disgusting. You can bury that crap six feet under. But cucumbers, cucumbers barely have a taste to them. You know, it, you know it's, it's a very light taste to them. They discontinue the cucumbers. Just don't touch the pickles. I swear, if they ever discontinue pickles, th- then I'll have a problem. I swear, if I walk into Subway and ask for a sandwich and they tell me they don't have pickles anymore because they're discontinued, I'm going to walk right out that damn door. What are you talking about? Jimmy John's, here I come. I've only had Jimmy John's one time in my life. I can't remember what I got. Do Jimmy John's serve turkey sandwiches? Anybody? Anyone? I would think so. Yeah, I could get a turkey sandwich from Jimmy John's. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's all I got, people. That is all I got. Let me get off this mic, for God's sake. That is episode 41 for you. Catch you on the next episode. That is a wrap. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the Long Live Hollywood podcast. My name is Aaron. Be safe out there. Love each other. Do nice things for each other. And good things will come to you. I promise you. Take care now. Bye-bye.